Okay, welcome to uh, Winston's Benefits Blast podcast. My name is Joseph Adams, and I'm joined today by my partner, Mike Melbinger. During today's episode, we're going to be talking about some new uh, hedging rules that were recently promulgated by the SEC. Okay, Joe. A lot of clients are thinking, we already have a hedging policy, and I have a lot of things to do on my desk right now. Is there really anything new here? That's a great question, and I think, Mike, we've had some, you know, hard for clients to um, focus on this because we know everyone's busy, and as you alluded to, most of our clients have a hedging policy. There was an existing rule under um, the CDNA rules that said you had to, uh, in a list of 15 things you might want to describe in the CDA if they'd be relevant to an investor's understanding of the company's compensation uh, philosophy, you had to disclose if you had a policy regarding hedging uh, prohibiting hedging by officers and directors. And so you're right, many of our clients have that. The new rule um, is pursuant to the Dodd-Frank Act, which was um, added and was finalized by the SEC last December. So added some new rules to Reg SK and a new section 407I. Um, the new rules don't require, much like the way the SEC frequently governs in this space, they don't necessarily require you to have a policy uh, they just have to, a company just has to disclose the policy that it has uh, with the thinking that um, from the SEC's perspective, this will give investors, uh, when it comes time for the annual meeting, give them knowledge as to whether um, officers and directors uh, have, have anything that prohibits them from hedging their, their interest and might break that alignment between say and pay. So again, the SEC doesn't require it, but certainly we know that uh, proxy advisory firms like ISS and Glass-Lewis uh, will consider it a poor pay practice if you don't do those things. So. Everyone needs to have something. We had the old um, CDNA rule. Now we have this new Dodd-Frank rule. And I think the reason we're trying to, uh, there's a couple reasons that this merits attention, even though everyone's busy. One is the new rule is just slightly different than the existing rule in terms of who's covered. Obviously, the CDNA rule would have only covered the named executive officers. Um, and this rule is broader, so you have to think about, okay, we're going to have a different rule for different folks, and if, if we do, then we need to dis dis uh, disclose that we have different rules, and so we'll, we'll talk about that later in the podcast. Um, there are, it's a slightly different coverage about if stocks owned um, you know, indirectly, you know, things that may not be covered in your policy. So there's these little gaps in terms of, uh, and you, you, you might inadvertently be creating a gap if you don't go back and revise your policy to make sure it squares up with the new SEC rule. Uh, and then the other reason it, it merits focus is there's a, uh, an, an interesting timeline for this. So this, um, this rule goes into effect for anyone that files a proxy after July 1st of this year. So um, people are just coming online with this requirement, and it might sneak up on you depending on when your proxy is required to be filed. So um, we have some steps towards the end of the podcast we advise clients to think of as they're, as they're thinking, how do we reconcile our existing policy with this new requirement? Interesting. So if we have to draft a new policy, the, the next question is, what, what would be covered by this, Mike? How did the SEC wind up defining a hedging transaction when it came up with the Dodd-Frank Dodd version of hedging? Well, Joe, the rules make it clear that the SEC intends the disclosure requirement to apply very broadly. And I'll just read a quick quote. Establishing downside price protection is the essence of the transactions contemplated by Section 14J, which is the uh, Exchange Act section. However, the SEC does not define the term hedge because, as the SEC states in the release, the SEC intends to avoid adopting a definition that could prove either over or under-inclusive. 
one that allows flexibility to address new downside price protection techniques as they develop. And that probably makes sense, as uh, certainly all the lawyers and most others in the audience will know, whenever you specify something, uh, clever lawyers, clever business folks often find a way around it. But by resisting all requests to provide a definition of hedging, the SEC instead has placed the burden entirely on the company and its counsel to develop the policy. In fact, the SEC declined even to state that the purchase and sale of mutual funds, index funds, or other diversified investment vehicles were excluded from the definition of hedging. So what's a company to do? Who, who can tell what's prohibited? Should companies attempt to define hedging or provide examples of the sorts of transactions that are prohibited? Those are the questions we're hearing. Our current thinking is that companies should not provide examples of what types of transactions are expressly permitted or prohibited. And the rules do not require that. The rules require you to disclose whatever policy you have. That's it. Uh, just for example, a, a, a policy could state that covered employees may purchase uh, or invest in mutual funds, such as an S&P 500 index funds, and that's okay. The problem is uh, a broad permission to invest in index funds may not be appropriate for certain companies where industry-specific mutual funds are available. That could conceivably be a hedge. So this might be a good time to sit back and follow the development of best practices. I will say, though, despite its disinclination to provide a definition of hedging, the language of the SEC release provides some specific references to transactions that it regards as hedging. And I'm not going to read out the list on a podcast. That would be a little silly, I think. But there is a list of these specific types of hedging transactions uh, on our website, on my blogs, and other places. Terrific. All right. Well, is it my turn to ask you one, then? You get to ask me. We've, once we define what a hedge is, then our next question is? Who should the hedging policy cover? The idea here is, again, the SEC doesn't require you to have a policy at all on hedging. You're supposed to disclose what the policy is. Um, and the way the SEC rule is, it's, again, different than the CDNA, which is focused on the named executive officers. So you can have a policy that covers whoever you want. It's up to each company to define what the policy is and, and define who's covered by it. And like Mike was saying, I think it's that our clients are thinking about this now. They're trying to figure out who, who should best be covered by these policies. And it's, on the one hand, it's tempting to uh, say that, well, we're just going to make this policy apply to everyone. All of our employees are prohibited from, and, and directors are, per, are prohibited from entering into hedging transactions. Sounds nice and kind of a, a neat rule, uh, but I think we've been having some internal discussions about how enforceable that is and do you really raise a risk of, uh, you know, you know, given how aggressive litiga litigation in this area can be, do you raise a risk that if you have a policy and didn't enforce it against uh, an employee, um, particularly if you don't have a way of tracking compliance, you, you could be buying yourself a lawsuit there. So I think our current thinking is that a lot of our clients will limit this to um, some, some cadre of their executive officers, however that's defined, and maybe uh, some alignment with uh, the stock ownership policy, the people that can't sell their shares 
uh, we want to make sure that those people aren't trying to hedge away that liability because we wanted you to own those shares. We wanted you to be aligned with the company. And if you hedge, then that takes away that alignment. And, and the other employees not subject to the share ownership requirement, they probably less likely to en enter into a hedging transaction anyway. If they view liquidity, they'll just sell the share. So uh, still the common how exactly people define it, but we're, I think we're thinking um, something a little more narrow than all employees is probably the way to go. So if we figured out, okay, what, what is a hedge and who are the employees that are subject to it? Mike, I think the next question people are thinking about is, is what holdings are subject to this um, uh, policy? And again, it's sort of a focus on, is it, is it just the equity comp that people have received or is it all holdings? Uh, the answer is it is not just compensatory awards. So there's really two points to think about here. Uh, number one is the rules make clear that the policies should apply to company stock and other equity securities that are either compensatory or held directly or indirectly by the employees of the director. So that includes stock acquired on the market. Uh, which, of course, many folks have in order to reach their stock ownership guidelines. The other point is that the rules also make it clear that equity securities, for the, which disclosure is required, uh, include any parent of the company, any subsidiary of the company, any subsidiary of the parent of the company. So almost anyone you can think of. And there are, of course, situations where there are multiple public companies in a single controlled group where this occurs. So your turn, Joe. What should go in the proxy statement? This is, after all, proxy statement disclosure. Exactly. So um, the SEC gave us some um, a bunch of flexibility here. So I, I think we are talking with clients about what should go in the proxy and, and where does it best go. Uh, as, in terms of what, uh, the SEC rules make clear that you can either uh, just provide a summary of your hedging policy, or you can disclose the policy in full. I think we're thinking on that issue that you know our, our current thinking is best to just disclose the the uh, hedging policy in full, uh, unless it's inordinately long. Uh, that that you know minimizes any risk that you will have uh, misstated the policy. Um, uh, the one exception to that might be if uh, some of our clients have those um, hedging policies baked into their insider trading policies, and so that you know they may you may have to excerpt it from that to to describe it in the proxy. But but probably best just to include the whole one if it's not overly burdensome. Uh, and then as to where it goes in the proxy, again the SEC gave us flexibility um, because again there, we have this existing requirement on hedging that's in the CENA, and we have this new requirement that's pursuant to Dodd Frank. So. Uh, SEC rules say we can either um, incorporate it by um, the, the hedging policy can be set out separately. It can and then be incorporated in the CDNA, or it can be included in both places. Lots of lots of flexibility to do this. I think there's one thing that exec comp lawyers focus on that if it's incorporated by reference into the CDNA, then that technically makes this subject to the say unpay vote, which isn't I'm not sure is a, a huge deal, but I think some uh, the current thinking is maybe best to keep this separate and not. Uh, incorporated by reference into the CDA and just keep your, your new Dodd-Frank disclosure separate from what goes into the CDA currently. Right. Good point. Uh, one that we've just started to think about, Mike, and I don't know, you know if you've seen this with any clients, is, is what, what best to do now we have this hedging pot. We've had it for a while under our existing one. We're going to take a fresh look at it. Do you know what clients are doing with respect to if there's a violation of our hedging policy? What what best to do at that point? Should we spell that out in the policy? Should we spell it out somewhere else? 
Well, Joe, what we're telling clients now is if you have a policy and you specify the consequences of a violation, think about it, but more or less leave it as is. We are not suggesting any specific consequences set forth in a document. And the reason for that is, you know, there are there may be a foot fault. We may want discretion. We do want discretion. Uh, so we're suggesting, for example, that you know, if it's in your code of conduct or just generally a separate policy, you, you, you write something like or add a sentence at the end that says all remedies available under the company's code of conduct or the company's insider trading policy shall be available to the board. Something simple like that. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, and I make clear, I guess, these new rules, you know, if there is a violation, there's nothing in these SEC rules that require disclosure of the violation. So it is sort of a, a matter of internal corporate governance. And it, it might trigger some SEC filings if there actually is a trade in the um, that affects the shares. But uh, there's nothing in these SEC rules that require disclosure, at least right now. Right. All right. Well, we've covered a lot of ground. What should companies do now? That's what they really want to know. Yeah, we, maybe we can tag team on this one, Mike. I, I think, um, you know, again, a lot of companies have a policy, so unless they have no hedging policy at all, there's no need to take dramatic action at this point. And again, it's, it's a really a focus on uh, disclosure of the company's policy. There's no, no you know, sort of substantive requirements that what a company has to do. So I think what uh, most companies will do is, is um, given that they already disclose uh, – some degree of hedging and uh, whatever their policy is on prohibiting hedging by directors and officers, they'll want to uh, re-examine that hedging policy. And, and what are you seeing, Mike, in terms of what more people might want to do in terms of exist reviewing the existing policy? Well, oddly enough, the first thing we are suggesting, because it's a practical consideration, is to get on the committee agenda. Get something on the committee agenda if you haven't already discussed it. And when I say committee, I say that advisedly because generally, in our experience, compensation committees handle hedging only because they deal with company stock. But that's certainly not always the case. So find out which committee is responsible. Maybe it's the whole board level. Once you've got that, you need to talk to them, explain to them the rules, explain to them what might have to change. And we'd suggest go in there with some ideas about how to change it. So at a minimum, you want to dig out your policy if you haven't looked at it for a while, and many haven't. It's right; it's been in place for 10 years since I started with the company. It worked so far. Well, take it out, look at it, consider clarifying changes, such as should employees be covered? No, uh, not if you can help it. And then sit and wait. That's what we're telling some companies. Now, some clients, of course, like to get out in front of things and be in the vanguard. Uh, and that's fine, and we'll help them draft state-of-the-art policies as they exist today. Others want to file or follow the wildebeest approach to just stay in the pack and wait till the institutional investors and ISS and everybody else comes out with what they expect to see in a policy, and then we'll change it to comply with that. Best practices. Exactly. Terrific, Mike. That was that was very helpful, and we want to. Mike and I both want to thank everyone for listening to another edition of. Winston's Benefit Blast podcast. Please stay tuned for future uh, episodes where we'll have insights on, on additional legislative, regulatory, and practical developments regarding employee benefits and exec comp. And please remember to subscribe to the blog on our website for additional updates on legal developments in this area.